Ah, greetings there, traveler. Looks like Wingover's got a few associates with him this time, so, uh, probably gonna give you a little bit of a speech or something. Still has more mail to read. But why don't you go ahead and take yourself a seat down there? Ah, traveler, welcome. You're probably noticing. Oh, wow, that's some fancy new music in the intros. That's because. This stuff's been going on a little bit longer, so I needed a longer song. I have another piece of this mail that's been sent in about our show. As well as I have a few associates I'd like to introduce you to, but first I shall start with this mail. Enthralling, epic, and thought-provoking. Amazing dedication by all members to both voice acting and storytelling, as well as impressive production quality, all backed by a well-produced storyline leading to the most captivating stories I have heard. A great listen when multitasking, this story can easily be envisioned, imagined, and enjoyed by anyone with interest or affinity for the Dungeons and Dragons or fantasy genre. I cannot wait to see where the story leads. Hmm, I wonder what they meant by Dungeons and Dragons. Anyways, thank you for Bot70 fan. Remember, if you have any reviews or anything you wish to say, Send us a message through the Stitcher or the Attunes, and we shall read it on the show. Now I'd like to introduce two associates I have along here with me. This is Craig the Bard. Oi. And this is Samantha the Other Bard. Oi. Yes, they came from the college Battle Bards, and they are bringing out some new music and sound effects for our show. Why don't you say thank you, Traveler? Still doing that whole silent bit, I see. That's okay, it really works for you. Anyways, if you wish to gain their services and have them send bards to your room to uncomfortably stare at you while you say your tales so that they can play music and sound effects to really amp it up, take yourselves to BattleBards.com and use the promotion code BALLAD7DICE. That's BALLAD, the number seven, and DICE. And get 20% off the gold pieces you would spend. Is that, is that actually a pig there, Samantha? Yes. Cool. Okay. Anywho, let us begin with this tale. I'm sure you're all curious on what sanctuary has to offer our brave heroes. Today. They shall go in there and meet the very leaders of this organization they've been dragged into. So join me as I tell you the tale of Sanctuary Part 3. When we last left you guys, you had just made it to the town of Sanctuary, and you had spoken to the leaders of the Oracles. You learned a lot about what was going on. You learned a lot about how lucky you guys are, and the fact that no one else has actually died coming to this world like you have. And after all these crazy revelations, you were also met with a vision that Astoria showed you of the being that is coming to annihilate your reality. You were told that you're not 
charged with killing this creature, you just have to stop Dorum from opening the door. You were given 150 gold pieces, and you were told to take a few days off, always spend the night here at the headquarters, never spend the night at another tavern or something because it's not safe. But you can do whatever you want. There's plenty of things to do in the city, and in three days' time, come back and they'll get you all set up to go on your next mission. So you're all just exiting Elwyn's office, and you're given your large sacks of money. And this large tiger man, he gets up from behind his desk that seems just a little too small, and he's wearing these burnt orange robes, and they're very ornate. He's got these little reading glasses sitting on his nose. Just remember, be careful of the cultists. You don't need to get into any trouble with them. And then he lets you go on your way. So from here on out, you guys tell me what you want to do. You got the whole city ahead of you. You got three days. Is there anything you want to investigate? Is there anything you want to talk to people about? There's tons of people in this building of all different sorts of lifestyles and everything. Like there's a giant floating blob that seems to be telepathically communicating with people. There's a, as you walk into the common room, you see this woman, she's made completely out of shadows. You can tell there's some physical form to her, but it looks like her shadows just cling to her. And she's sitting at a table playing a game of cards with another woman who's quite large, and it looks like her skin is made out of stone and earth. And she's fumbling with the cards in her hand, trying to place them down. And there's all sorts of people here. We're going to go look for a casino. Uh, Who would know about stuff to do in the city? I mean, you could rightly just go up to anyone. Um, There's a lot of people here. We'll say there's a there's a woman standing there, a little uncomfortable. She is wearing the insignia of the city, and she's just staying there in breastplate. It looks like she's a local. Looks like she's waiting for someone. Hey, you. Uh, me? Yeah, we're gonna get a good drink around here. Oh wow, there's. Uh, what kind of drink do you want? Do you want yourself a nice little fancy drink, or do you want something a little, a little more fun? Want something cheap. Ronnie, do you really need to get drunk at this time? This isn't exactly the best time. <laughs> you gotta slow down, man. Well, if you want something cheap, there is a few options. There's the Vulgar Unicorn. That's just uh, a ways away from here. Not too far. Maybe 15 minutes. Or uh, if you're into something with a little more dice rolling, All right, sounds good. there's See you later. the Dragon Sword. Oh, okay. Yep. There goes Ronnie. He, man, he just bolted. Gonna rush quickly over to that, uh, what do you call it? Dirty unicorn? (laughs) The vulgar unicorn. Vulgar unicorn? Yeah. So, Ronnie just takes off. And Ronnie, I need you to make me a survival check, because she didn't tell you the direction, but you just kinda ran out the door when she was in mid-sentence. She did the, she did the old dolphin head thing, (laughs) She did the, she pointed with her lips. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really have to try to find my father, if it's possible, actually. So that's what I'll probably do. Alright, <laughs> I got a three. Okay, so Ronnie, you're gonna be walking around for a little. What do the rest of you do? And I'll, I'll be jumping between you guys, just kind of like what we did in Guildspar. Uh, yeah, is there a place where I can get some special items or anything, supplies that I'm gonna need for this uh, journey ahead? Uh, you were told when you were in that meeting that any kind of like basic supplies, like rations, backpack, bedrolls, are going to be provided to you. 
So the 150 gold you were given is like if you want to go buy, say, potions or you want um, like special items, stuff like that. All right. So uh, can I ask her? Sure. Well, the woman's awkwardly standing there and she's like, um, so do you guys need anything else? Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry about my friend there. He's kind of an idiot. Yeah, sorry, are you from around here? <laughs> That's okay. I've just joined recently with you guys. I joined the... The Valkyrie's chosen, just outside the city. I'm actually here to drop something off, but just waiting. Hi, uh, can you tell me where I could find uh, an area where I can pick up some potions and supplies? Yeah, actually, there's a, a bazaar that's it's got tons and tons of stalls. You'll be able to find anything. It's open until uh, the fifth bell afternoon, which is 5 p.m. Yes, uh, can you tell me how to get there? Well, if you just go up the main street... Um, actually, one sec, I'm sure there are maps around here somewhere and she starts rifling around and like because this main room is like a giant library with a bunch of tables and she starts looking around and the one lady who's made completely of shadows looks up and she's like riley what are you looking for i'm i'm just trying to find some maps these uh they're new so what we got new people oh shit and she slaps down her cards and comes over and riley comes back with a couple maps we usually give these to new people. Uh, well, uh, we're new here too, so, um, hi, uh. I'm Noir. And my, my friend, friend over there, uh, she's a little shy, shy. That's, that's Gaia. Who are you guys? I'm Kalsar of the Silver Shield, and that over there is Borodon and Emzy. Oh, you're one of those groups! You guys got a sweet name? Yes, we actually do. And it was about three to four hundred gods that decided our name so we are called uh, the death shift oh wow that's, that's pretty, pretty hardcore. hardcore yeah like for for whatever reason inside my heart i really felt like the reborn would be way better but the gods they have spoken to me and well death shift it is don't, don't fight, fight the, the gods, gods. They're, they're a fickle, fickle bunch. bunch don't fight the gods yeah they may get angry yeah, yeah so, so me and Gaia were actually part of the hunters we do a lot of reconnaissance so maybe we'll see you out in the field sometime if you ever need any help just ask us thank you yeah so Kalsar you're going to the bazaar and Ronnie is off in search of the vulgar unicorn and what are you up to MZ and Borodon I'll uh I'll stick with Borodon like I said I was going to find my father or at least some tip or some lead that I could f to where I can find him yeah so you're gonna kind of go around and try to gather information on the whereabouts yeah and I really thought when we were uh, talking about my father it was the past like a very very far away past and not like you know the present not like two three days ago you don't know it kind of felt like the past. It felt like you were seeing something that already happened, but at mm -hmm. the same time, visions are weird, right? You, very few oracles sit down and go, "Bang on, I know when this happened." So you're you're just trying to kind of put it together, and this was your first one, so maybe it never even happened yet. Oh yeah, because what is awkward is like my father. Well, I thought my father was dead, right? Right. But I thought there was a bureau, so there was no bureau then. Yeah, and the symbol on his hand actually looked different than what you guys have. 
Hmm. Okay, so, and I found my father, he was talking to a merchant, right? That's right. Hans. Hans. Okay, so I'll try to find Hans. Okay. So, first off, we're going to start with Ronnie. So, Ronnie, you are walking down the street, kind of doing like that BG staying alive thing, just bobbing your head. And while you're going down there, you see all sorts of races that you're going through. Since this area is more in the temple district, where you're seeing there's a lot of people in robes, you see a lot of paladins walking around, some more stuffy characters that are going into these temples, discussing things in hushed voices. You wander for probably about half an hour. It was only supposed to take you 10 or 15 minutes to get there. You finally arrive at the Vulgar Unicorn. And when you see the the sign, you know immediately this is the place because it's a unicorn that is raised up with its hooves in the air and it seems to be really in the mood. Great, great. Uh, heading right in, uh, completely oblivious to any kind of innuendo going on in the sign. So you walk in and you see a number of patrons and they're all sitting around drinks. This looks like a it's a decent establishment. It's not super swanky, but it's not really seedy at the same time. And you see that there's a, a woman behind the bar and she's cleaning out a few mugs and as bartenders always do. She looks up at you, gives you kind of a physical <laughs> look. Hey, you look new in town. What can I do for you? Get me, uh, give me an ale. You got it. So she pours it up, sets it down. That'll be one silver. Uh, did I bring my wallet? Did you? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Uh, no. Okay. You do have that bag of 150 gold. <laughs> well, I left it in the... Uh, oh, God. Left it in my hurry. Ah, uh, so you left it in the office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright, so Ronnie, you, uh... I don't know if you have, like, your little wallet of silver pieces that you earned when you were in Geldspar. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. But... Uh, I'd actually like to try persuasion on that bartender to get uh, that drink for free. Give her a little wink. And also another drink. You're just saying you just want these for free? You're not going to, like, uh, add some incentive, or...? Whew, seem to forgot my wallet. Uh, how about we make a deal here? Uh, you know, all your other customers look real bored. Yeah, they, they definitely do. I mean, it is kind of later afternoon. It is a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Tuesday? You know... Oh yeah, it's just the Tuesdays. <laughs> I mean, your world could have Tuesdays, but this this world's just like what? <laughs> you know, when I was born to play those afternoon shows, uh, my level of talent is right there. So, uh, what if I put down a little performance for you guys, and you just keep me a steady supply of drinks? Roll me that persuasion. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Get up on that stage, take this drink with you, and uh, show us what you're made of. Where's your instrument, by the way? I don't. You didn't really bring anything in. Uh, no, I, I, uh, it's here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she raises an eyebrow and then just kind of waves her hand towards the stage and hands you your drink. He's going to whistle. All right, so I'm going up on stage. Uh, I got a couple things to cast here because I have some cantrips. Nice. Dancing light and prestidigitation. <laughs> so I'd like to cast some dancing lights, give myself some sweet lights. Okay, so what kind of light show are you making? Oh my god. 
Uh, you know, it's just like the, uh, it's like the disco ball, but my dancing lights... I love it. <laughs> don't actually have a disco ball, so it's just kind of light shining up at the ceiling. <laughs> okay. So it just changes color every so often while it's spinning. Right. Okay, and what are you doing with prestidigitation? I don't imagine you're starting a campfire, so... Why can I... I don't even know what I can do with prestidigitation. I'll save that one for later. That'll be the encore. Okay. And, uh, what instrument are you summoning? Uh, keys. Alright. So roll me a performance check. Seven. <laughs> Alright, so here's what happens, Ronnie. While you're here, you get onto this... the stage. And uh -huh. everyone's staring at you like, oh, what's with this guy? Your hair's weird, you've got orange skin, and your eyes are a little yellow. People are just really interested, like, this guy's, this guy's different. And you cast your spell, and this ball forms right in the middle, and it's changing color, and people are like, oh, wow, that's really fancy. And you hold your hands out, and this keyboard forms itself out of wood coming from the ground and it's ripping up her stage and she's just staring like what the fuck is this guy doing and this keyboard forms up and everyone is just on the edge of their seat they're looking like what is he going to do <laughs> and you just start slamming those keys <laughs> you're like half the time you have your drink in one hand like you're just downing it while you're playing with your off hand and like you're playing in the wrong notes and things just sound real bad but you're going for it because to you you're like this is avant-garde as fuck and you're just going uh the patrons are they're amused by the light show they're amazed by you summoning your instrument but they're having a hard time dealing with the music so we'll say that's what you're doing for a bit all right kelsar so thank god for this map as you're going through you're looking at it you make your way through the temple district and you're marking your way along this main road that leads towards the gates the one you came by before and you get over to the bazaar and you see shop stalls of every kind there there's people selling fancy clothes there's people selling mystical weapons from the far-off lands. There's blacksmiths that are setting up little booths there with their portable forges. There's alchemists showing off their wares. There's people showing you potions that'll grow your hair two feet longer, if you want it. Everything is here. There's so many people bustling around. You see people going up to stalls, and you see someone say, like, this is 20 gold, and they're like, I'll give you 15, make it 17, and they're haggling, and things are being swapped and traded. It's almost like you are in modern-day retail. Oh my god, this is like my worst fucking nightmare ever. So there's this gnome standing on a stool, and he's got this slick-back green hair, and he has this mustache that goes and twirls around, and he looks at you, and he's got this fez on with his nice little uh, outfit going. What can I get for you, good man? You look like a man who knows his potions. Why, look at this wide spread I have. Do you want to go invisible? Do you want to have a shield? Hey, maybe you want to get a little bit of healing done. Tell me, what do you want? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on a mission soon. I'm just wondering what kind of uh, potions that you carry. Oh, what do I carry? I tell you, I carry everything. Do you want to cure an ailment? Are you diseased? Ooh, maybe you had one night with a woman that maybe wasn't the best. Maybe it was a man. Who knows? I'm not judging. Hey, we're friends. How about I offer you... Look over here. There's this discount. I'll give you this potion. You put it in a bear's mouth. That bear will be your best friend. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not really interested in that kind of a potion right now. You know what? You look like the kind of man who fights. Look at that sword and shield on you. You look like you get into a scrap or two. Ooh, those are some scars. Do you want some healing potions? 
Uh, yes, I am interested in some healing potions. Uh, how much are they going for? Oh, for you? Hmm. Well, we just met by that same time. I feel like we've been lifelong friends. I'll give it to you for 55 gold pieces per potion. 55 gold pieces? Holy shit, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Awkward silence. Uh, yeah, can I maybe, uh, roll to persuade it? Maybe see about getting a discount or something? Yeah, you can, uh, you can try rolling a persuasion to, like, you can haggling, right? They're shouting prices back at each other. One person said a high price, another person said a lower price, saying, like, I'm only gonna pay this, and the person's like, okay, I'll compromise with this price, and they just keep trying back and forth until a deal is made, and then they shake hands and exchange money for services or items. So I rolled to persuade, um... Yeah, I got about 12, I think. 12? Look, this is going to be a dangerous mission, and we're part of the... We're part of the chosen few. We're going to be on a very dangerous mission here. Is there anything you can maybe do for us? Roll me an insight when you say that you're part of the chosen. Okay, so I roll for insight. Um, I got about 13, it seems. So, the moment the words leave your lips saying, I'm part of the chosen... This man, he's he's well-trained in dealing with people, and you see that he tries to hide it the best he can, but there's a split moment where he kind of looks uncomfortable when you say that you're part of the Chosen. Like, he looks like, oh, no. Like, it's a little dangerous, almost. Well, um, yeah, how about we... Oh, let's sort this out. Uh, so you don't want to pay 55 gold, that's fine. How about I give you a two deal? Uh, so if you buy two, I'll cut the price down to 95. Yeah, that sounds a little bit more reasonable. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. And he quickly gives you the potions and takes the money from you. Well, have a great day. Thank you for stopping by. Yes, uh, thank you very much. Yes? Uh, yeah, uh, could you tell me uh, how to get to the um, <laughs> to the vulgar, vulgar unicorn from here? Ah, uh, the vulgar unicorn? Yes, I'm uh, looking for a friend. Oh, looking for that kind of knight, huh? I'm just kidding, they don't really do that. It's just a name. All right, yeah, sure. Do you have a map or something, or...? <laughs> So he quickly points out to you on the map uh, where you can go. And it looks like it's not very far, maybe a 15-minute walk from where you're at. It's like in between the bazaar and the temple district. All right, sounds good. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Have a good one. And so you start walking off to the Vulgar Unicorn. Borodon and MZ, what are you up to? So I need to find hands, right? Right. So I'll just ask like anybody in the temple if they know where I can find this hands merchant. Roll me an investigation. I got 10. So you ask around and you go up to this group of three dwarves that are arguing amongst themselves, looking over plans. And like, Hans, I don't know any Hans. Do you know a Hans? I've never met a Hans. I don't know. And they, so they go back to, like, arguing, and you go around, you talk to a few people, and there's this strange floating blob that you're just, you're unsure of, but you decide what the hell. And you go up, and you try to talk to it. As it's floating, it turns towards you. Ah, greetings, Borodon. Uh, greetings, well, how do you know my name? I am Elbito. I know all that goes on in the organization. Think of me like a historian. Oh, okay. Hey there. Who are you searching for? I'm searching for uh, Hans. So, he's a merchant, I think. Like I saw him uh, in a vision that I had, so I don't know if he's still alive 
I don't know if it was in the past, I don't know if it was in the future, but if it if he's still alive, I really would need I uh, really would like to talk to him. And actually, maybe since you you are like a an historian, maybe have you ever heard about my father? His name is Borden, and uh, he has like an arm very similar to mine. You had a vision. Now, yes. I must get permission, but could I please look into your mind and view your vision? Uh, sure, you're not going to mess anything inside my head, are you? No, but it will feel uncomfortable. Well, life is uncomfortable enough, so just, just go ahead. So you see two of these tentacles form out of this blob, and they go to each of your ears, and you feel them kind of suction cup on either side of your head. And then you feel smaller tendrils go into your ears, and it doesn't feel good at all. Like, it gives you just that uh, feeling, and it starts <laughs> slinking in, and then it hits something. And suddenly, you are looking at this vision again here. But it's going as if, like, somebody has the fast-forward button on. And they're quickly talking amongst mm -hmm. each other, looking at the symbol, they're looking at the place, they're looking around the store, and then it snaps back out of it. And these suction cups come off your ears, and your ears are kind of sore now. Ow! Did I take any damage? No, it's just very uncomfortable. Ah, so I just brush it, just trying to remove the ickiness. What you are looking for is a shop that is near the waterfront. Near the waterfront, okay. Thank you. So, and about my father, have you ever met him? I have not met your father. But the symbol on your father's hand is not a good one, Borodon. That symbol is a symbol of a trickster. Oh, I see. I see. So maybe I'm looking for a copycat? It is possible. There was a faction before. There were many. And they all had different symbols on their hands. But this one was a smooth talker and could get legions to follow them. But they disappeared. Hmm. Okay. So, how long have they disappeared? Fifteen years ago, they disappeared. But Han's still alive then? Han should be still alive. There was nothing determining the date in the vision. I'm sorry. Yes, correct. No, but thank you very much. So, I'll just go to Waterfront then. Thank you very much, Albedo. Of course. Enzi, are you doing anything during this time while Borodon's conversing with this creature? Uh, just looking around, listening, just taking in as much as I can. So you see there's a number of weird different people. There's one man, whenever you walk near him, uh, he's a large walrus-like man, and he's got a very deep rumbling voice. Whenever you sort of stroll near him, it's very cold. Like he's giving off cold air almost. And there's dwarves that talk to each other. They almost seem to, when they talk, they are almost predicting what the next one's talking about. And their conversation's very disorienting to listen to. You're walking through more and more. And you see this man, he's older, a lot older, and he's sitting on a chair. And the chair is on top of a table, and he's reading a book. He seems to be paging through it very quickly, but he has a one of those classic chef hats on while he's paging through this. So we're in a very weird, weird shop right now. Yeah, it's almost like, since you, you can tell all you are from different worlds, you're guessing majority of the people here are also from just so many different worlds and cultures that it's just a mixture of the bizarre. 
Okay. So you guys make your way off to the waterfront. You wander through the, the town, and the waterfront's more to the south of the town. It's easy to find. You follow the gulls and the lapping waves and the sounds of people working on ships. As you get to this area, there's an overwhelming smell of fish. You're going through this sort of warehouse-like district, and you see that there are large warehouses that have the front doors open, and they're just people are just you know cutting open fish, cutting off the heads, putting the the good parts into one bin, putting all the bits they're tossing into another, and conversing with one another. Some of these people look unsightly, like they just have strange features, like they look a little deformed almost. But you brush it off as whatever. So MC, do you like fish? Yeah. Maybe later on we could uh, try to find a dried fish. I, I know that they they sort of like they don't spoil very easily, and maybe we could could take you know like as a snack. Yeah, that's a good idea. And we could bring some back, you know, like to the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys are talking amongst each other, and you come across this building. It has this very large, flashy sign. It's yellow with a black background, and it's Han's Emporium. There's a little bell on the door that you recognize Borodon from when you were in this vision. And you see that the store is open. Okay, so, MZ, uh, do you want to come with me? Yep. Okay, so, let's see how this goes. You walk into the shop, and there is Han's, who looks relatively about the same age as you saw him. Ah, yes. Welcome, travelers, to my shop. Is there anything I can interest you in? Perhaps some new armor, some supplies? Anything that catches your eye? I have many deals for you, strangers. Yeah, the word that I'm actually looking for is information. Information? Yes. That depends what kind of information you're looking for, stranger. Have you ever seen, like, another dwarf that has a similar arms just like mine? A dwarf with metal arms, you say? Hmm. Well, many dwarves come through here now and then. Not many like you. I've seen many kind of dwarves that look similar to you. Yes. Yes, I did. I might have... uh, He's come to my shop quite a few times. Very good customer of mine. Oh, so uh, when was the last time you saw him? I can't necessarily give away that information. I have a duty to the customers. To secrecy. Can't just tell customers' information to anyone. And do you know where he is right now? Um, sorry to interrupt, but what does the shop look like? Like, what kind of stuff does he seem to be selling? And So he sells a lot of, like, traveling equipment. And you can see there are some specialized things like camping gear, hiking gear. Uh, there are things like rations and rope and lantern oil. Just a lot of stuff that if you were going to go on a big trek in a tough environment, you would come here. Okay. And if I, if I buy something... Would you give this information to me? Because uh, he is a relative, and I really would like to know if he's if he's okay. Because, well, uh, I lost contact with him. You're related to him, then. Well, I mean, you say that you are, but any dwarf can just come in and just claim that uh, you're you're re- related to him. Yes, I know. You can't necessarily just give away this information. It would be bad for business. No, of course it would not. So how can I prove that I mean no harm? Do you perhaps have like some sort of moment family heirloom or something that you could show me? That uh, you could prove to me that you're related to? So I think I have like a... You have a signet ring from your family? Yes, I, I do have, right? 
So I, I just didn't know if, if it was like a medallion or something. It's like a large ring. It's like almost looks like those graduation rings that people have super gaudy, really big. Oh yeah, so yeah, I just I just show him the ring. I just show Hans the ring. Ah yes, yes, yes. This is this is definitely your father's signet ring. I'm sorry. I'll tell you everything that you need to know. But not the same. As far as the ring goes, like the ring, it would have been very similar. Like it's essentially it would have been like uh, signifying that he was the king, whereas yours is more stating your advisor position. Mm-hmm. What would you like to know? So, first I would like to know, how long have you been here in Sanctuary, do you know? Uh, I've been in Sanctuary my whole life. Uh, your father would come in, he was always picking up supplies, he was a very good customer of mine. He said about traveling to Waterdeep. It was Waterdeep and the last one you knew about was Nesme, and sometimes it's like just to the wilds. My father would always travel by himself though, but I would never, I would always try to stop him from doing it. Very dangerous fellow, that man. Dangerous to himself, I should say. Nesme, so what are these two places? Are they cities or Nesme's like a tribe? Because I don't know. I'm not from here. Waterdeep is a very large, like it's like a metropolis to the north along the coast. Okay. And I don't know if, like, Brent, you want to reiterate this stuff that I'm saying, but, uh, and Nesme is, it's a smaller city. And it's in these troll swamps, like these northern marches. And it's very difficult, hostile land. Yes, Waterdeep. Very tr- dangerous and treacherous land, that is. It's basically a suicide mission for your father to be going out there by himself. Sorry, what type of equipment was he buying from you? Well, usually the standard equipment, uh, rope, tent, uh, food supplies you would need. A- anything to survive a... a- Anything to survive the elements. Okay. When he came to shop, was he always alone, or was he with some someone else or something? Yes, your father always traveled alone. I've understood why. It was like he was on a secret mission or something. So, yeah. So let's say if I go to, if I want to go to uh, Nesmi, uh, which which kind of equipment should I buy? Probably like a. You'd want like hiking gear and stuff because it does start to get pretty rocky out there. Okay, so so yeah, I'll just get basically the same equipment as like Borden used to buy. Uh, how much would it be? Probably about forty gold to get what your father would get. And uh, but that's like a large bulk, or is it just like for one person? It looks like a large amount, and it looks like when you're just kind of going over the items with Hans, this kind of equipment and, like, goods and all that kind of stuff, the rations were definitely at least for a few weeks. And there was, like, four sets of rope, grappling hooks. There was, like, a couple sets of more heavier clothing for colder environments. There was a lot of, like, lantern oil Acid flasks were a big thing. They're purchasing a lot of those. Acid flasks and alchemist fire. And you're guessing, being a dwarf, you understand that when your people would fight in the caves below the city, that there would be trolls that would wander in every now and then, and you would need to use acid and fire to keep those trolls from healing themselves. 
Oh, I see. So that's why. Yeah, so it just clicks in your head that you knew if your father was purchasing a bunch of fire and acid, it's because he was expecting to Mm -hmm. come in contact with something like a troll. I see. So, yeah. Well, and so I'll, I'll buy everything. Like, I'll buy this hiking equipment from you. And, uh... I'll just give you like five gold as a sign of, as a thank you. Oh, that, that's very gener- generous of you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So I just buy the, the equipment and for 45 gold instead of 40. So you're given a fairly heavy bundle of stuff. Looks like you got like a, a fair amount of clothes and all that. I'll give you more of a detailed list in a little, since it won't be super important right now. Mm-hmm. So it's starting to dip into the evening for all of you. So it's starting to dip into the evening. Ronnie has been jamming out slowly. His music got a little better. You know, he found his groove. But that first half an hour was a tough half hour for the patrons. But they were really interested in what else he could do and uh, pleasantly surprised. And so while Ronnie has been jamming out, Kelsar, you find the sign and you see what it's suggesting. And you walk into this bar and you're greeted once more with Ronnie's music. It's not his best work, but it's not terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really... Ronnie, what the hell are you doing? I need you to make me a perception check. Me? Uh, yes. As Ronnie is a little too preoccupied. Oh, sex. Alright, no, you don't notice much. Somehow. Yeah. Well, you get distracted by Ronnie. Okay. Ooh, pretty lights. So you come in there... And yeah, he's got those lights going, and he's just coming to the end of his song where he gets a nice smoke break. Pretty light. Alright, Ronnie, you see Kelsar come on in just as your song wraps up. So, so my song's wrapping up. Pull a playing card from between the keys. Uh, yell into the crowd, is this your card? <laughs> One of them shouts, oh my god, that's my card. <laughs> How did you get my card? I told you there was only three sevens in this goddamn deck. Wow. <laughs> you probably swiped it off the table when like you went out to the washroom or something like that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, it's a great set. I'll be back later. Uh, we're going to take a smoke. Now, Ronnie, you can make me a perception check. Also, how much has Ronnie had to drink? Uh, how long has he been playing? Probably about like an hour and a half. Three drinks. Okay, so you're feeling a little good, but nothing crazy. Ronnie added again, rolls a seven. <laughs> I don't think Ronnie's ever succeeded in a perception check. Ronnie is so good at getting into stuff and then just falls on his face. So you get off the stage. Do you go outside to smoke or do you stay inside? Uh, I'll just stay inside. Okay. You go over to Kalsar and. You just have your pipe now, because you've definitely run out of cigarettes by this point. So you got that pipe that you traded from that guy, and you're just smoking some tobacco. Before you know it, you and Kelsar are just making a little bit of banter, 
And yeah. you look over, and you guys actually see there's about 15 people coming up near you. And they all have a necklace that is almost identical to Ronnie's necklace that he used to wear around his neck. Hey! Ronnie! I know that necklace. And Ronnie, you recognize one of these guys from the bar. The guy who gave you the necklace. Oh, maybe that guy's got another one. They took my old one. Hey, uh, I recognize you. Friend Ronnie! Why, I'm somehow amazed that you're alive. You should have died. I remember shooting you with the crossbow in the chest. How have you been? Uh, well, I'm back from the dead. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, hey, I lost my necklace. Can I get, uh, you got a spare one? Yes. Yes, we do. And then he turns over, and when he turns his head towards Kelsar, the other 14 of them turn their head at the same time to Kelsar. Oh, I guess he needs one, too. Ronnie. And your name? What? Sir. And they, they all look down at your hand at the same time, and then look at Ronnie's hand, and then look back at Kelsar, smiling Ronnie, still. What they have very do? large smiles, showing all their teeth. What did you do? Ronnie, we need to leave now. You definitely will be leaving. You'll be leaving with us. No, we won't. Can you face 15 of us? Is there, okay, is there a way where you can, where Ronnie and I can try to, like, get through them and try to escape? Roll me a perception. Oh, for fuck's sakes! Four. You don't see a means of escape, but one thing you do see is the hand of the bartender is on the ground. You see, like, it's obviously connected to her arm stuff leading back, but she must have been knocked out while you guys were talking and just quietly put down. And all the other patrons at their tables have also been knocked out, and they're just laying down on their tables. Doesn't look like it was violent by any means, but something happened when these 15 walked in, and everyone just lost their consciousness while you guys were chatting. What do you guys want? We are looking for information. Information that Mr. O'Connell and presumably yourself may have. You must come with us and we will look at the information. And if we refuse? Then we will make you come with us. Please, let's not have violence. And he gestures to two of the people who are playing cards and one of the cultists puts knives at both of these unconscious people's throats. Now, why don't you just come with us and save these poor innocent souls? A gruesome fate. What choice do we have? (laughs) Ah, I do love fate. And so they, he extends a hand to kind of get you guys to walk in the center of their group. Yeah, you know what? I have invisibility. <laughs> you oh sweet, you cast invisibility. Yeah. Let's try that. So what instrument do you quickly summon to let you use your magic? Clearly the lute. So a lute just suddenly appears in Ronnie's hands. You see just one of the chairs at the table uh-huh. shatter and form up into a lute. Right. And then I play like that uh like the Wayne's World doo 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 doo. 
uh, thing on the loot and disappear. <laughs> so he just like jams out super quick, and you hear this, and suddenly Ronnie's gone. Kelsar, it is just you. And they're all looking around, going, Ronnie, Mr. Ronnie, O'Connell, where, <laughs> Ronnie, please. where did you go? We do not wish to make this difficult. If you do not wish to aid us, then we will light this inn on fire with the people trapped inside it. Ronnie, how, how could you? Ronnie, what do you do? I'm going to run away. I'm going to kill you! <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you run for the door, and so you see the door just slam open. There's nothing there, and they go, "I see." Roddy, you bastard! He points to two of his cultists, and you hear him start chanting, and it's the words coming out of his mouth. They make your skin crawl. You just don't like the sound of it. And Kelsar, for the first time in a long time. You hear a little voice in your head that says, Run! And then you see two of these cultists, tentacles start bursting out of their chest, out of their sides. Their mouths become this elongated, strange, gaping maw. Their arms twist and deform and become these clawed appendages, and their legs twist and become clawed appendages. And you see this thing go on all four, tentacles writhing out of its midsection. Its head, eyes start sprouting over different areas as its mouth keeps growing larger and larger and this long tongue starts licking the air. Well, that's unfortunate. And they turn towards you, Kelsar, and I need initiative. If I get out of this, I am going to kill Ronnie. You told me to run. <laughs> you gotta run! <laughs> Not without me, you asshole! <laughs> Um, is okay, so uh, is there a way I can like try and run away or get out of this situation? You could definitely try to like bull rush out of this group. A lot of them are going to be able to get a hit on you, but I need an initiative check from you. Two. And Ronnie, <laughs> what did you get? <laughs> Kalsar, you got two. Seven. The cultist turns towards you, Kalsar. He says, I hate doing that because I can never change them back. It's almost like we waste life. It's just unfortunate. But you know how Mr. O'Connell is. He never makes anything easy. You got that right. So, shall we? And then you see the 13 cultists all take this strange stance. They bend their knees a little bit. One of their arms goes back with an open palm, while the other one is a little more curved towards them. And they're all staring at you. And then the leader comes and runs up and goes to swing at you. Does a 10 hit you? You currently don't have your armor, you just have your sh- Oh, your shield's actually on your back. So, what's your base AC? Well, I, I have 11. Okay, 11. So, he goes to punch you, and just at the nick of time, you see this coming, and you go, <laughs> and this punch almost hits you in the face, and he pulls back really quickly. Well, 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 we're trained. What was your name? My name is Kelsar. Kelsar. And then you hear 12 other voices. Thank you. And then we go to Ronnie. Ronnie, you're running. You're bumping into people. Like, you're trying to just get the hell out of there. Or while you're running, Ronnie, what's the direction that you're aiming for? So I'm already running towards the door, right? Yeah, like, you got outside, and now where are you headed? Oh, I'm outside. What else is in the area? 
So when you get outside here, it, there's a couple businesses, like local businesses. It's starting to get more into the evening, so you see people closing up shop. There's people walking more towards the docks. There's some robed figures walking towards the temple area. And there's a lot of people heading still towards the bazaar because there's some nightlife that goes on in there with the night markets. I don't know, why don't you just keep abandoning me? That seems to be your go-to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's there's some windows in the front you can see in there like there's it's like candles there's a large roaring fire that they have that like helps illuminate the area. Are they all kind of near each other? All the uh, yes, they're all kind of standing shoulder to shoulder, right? Yes. Would I be fifteen feet from them? You could make yourself like yeah, I'd say you just kind of got out the door and your backs to them. All right, so I'm actually gonna turn around, do a quick thunder wave, see if I can hit one of them, which should shock all of them. So you turn around, and as you do, you just left that door, you see that there are two of these weird tentacle dog-like creatures that have many eyes, and they're just starting to head towards the door. Uh, do you still go up and do that plan? Well, you said it was near windows, right? If I broke a window, would I not be able to kind of hit one of the main dudes? Yeah, sure. So two of the cultists pass, and then two cultists fail, as well as the two dogs fail. So explain to me like what happens, and the window's shattering and stuff like that. So you slap your hands together. Big wave of thunder comes out, hits the two dogs and uh, two of the cultists closest to me. And all the windows just shatter around you and this glass goes right out into the, I guess it wouldn't go into the streets, it would go into the area. And these cultists get flung and these dogs get flung into the other cultists and it essentially creates this weird domino effect where they all get knocked into each other and they're all getting knocked down. And Kelsar, this leaves you a very wide opening of a lot of cultists laying on top of each other fighting to get up. There is four that are still standing in front of you. The leader is one of them. What? What's going on? And we go from Ronnie to you. Well, I'm going to try to take this opportunity to escape. Okay. I'm going to give them attack of opportunity on you as you're trying to run. So they're just trying to beat you down, more or less, like swinging clubs at you. And so two of them get through. What, taking out my shield? Take. Yeah, that would help you. Okay. You go and you take out your shield and you just try to, like, you put it in front of yourself and you're just charging through these people, stepping all over them, stepping on these weird dog things while they're scrambling to try to get up and you launch yourself out. The now visible Ronnie from using a spell is standing out there, you know, a little disheveled, there's glass around him, and you see that two of these clubs, they go and they just, they crack into your sides while you're running and you take seven points of damage. And so now you two are standing outside and all these people are trying to get back up. From you, it goes to the cultist turn. So they're all trying to get up and they're knocking into each other a couple of them managed to get outside. The leader is still standing there in the middle of this place. And he shouts out, We will still find you, Mr. O'Connell and Kelsar. You cannot hide. We will gain the memories. We will find it. So a lot of them, they're just getting up. They don't seem to actually be coming at you. They're just standing now. And they're all standing in this inn. Well, you guys are standing outside, and they're starting to get a little bit of a crowd. Like, people are looking like, what's going on in there? What do you guys do? Uh, run away. We have to find authorities. We have to find authorities, too, and let them know what's going on. Well, they'll, they'll figure it out. We should uh, 
go and find the other guys first. Yeah, let's find them, and we have to tell the or we have to tell the oracles where they are. So you guys start taking off and trying to get away from here, and shortly after, you can hear whistles being blown as it sounds like there are guards that are actually coming to investigate the area. And when you run away, those cultists don't move. They just stand there. And those beasts that were newly formed just sit down, and they're waiting for the cultist's orders. And you guys take off, and you're running, and as fate would have it, while you're going down this main road, you're coming up, and you find Borodon with a large sack that he's carrying with him, walking alongside with Emzy. Hey guys, uh, why are you guys so worked up? Cultists. This means nothing? Cult cultists. Vulgar okay. unicorn. Surrounded. Can you make, like, a, a whole sentence? So you guys were surrounded in the pornographic unicorn, then? Uh, the, the vulgar unicorn, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and I ran away, and then I saved Kelsar. So, Kelsar, you owe me a drink. Let's get back to the oracles. <laughs> okay, so are you guys in trouble now? What have you guys done? Here's what happened. Ah. Uh. I was looking for Ronnie at the at the vulgar unicorn. We were, mm -hmm. we were speaking, and then we were suddenly surrounded by these by these cultists uh, that mm -hmm. that have a relationship with Ronnie. But oh. they knocked out the entire staff. They were all put to sleep by these cultists. And if we didn't cooperate, they would have they would have killed the people in the in the in the bar. So. I was willing to submit. I didn't want any more blood on my hands, but Ronnie disappeared, and I thought he abandoned me. But I, w I was wrong. He actually, he actually saved, he actually saved me in the in the end. So, yeah, I, I guess I do owe you a drink, Ronnie. Thank you. Okay, but are you guys in trouble now? That's what I'm saying. The guards were called uh, after when we were running, so I, I think they're. We didn't see what's going on. Okay. Now that we are all together, do you guys want to head back there? Or do you guys just want to go somewhere else? Are you guys okay? Are you guys hurt? How many cultists? Fifteen. Fifteen against two. Yeah. That's not fair. No, it... it oh, Borodon, of course it's not fair, but... I mean, I would, I would like... To wait for us to head back. I mean, those people could be in danger. Sure, we can just go back then. Okay, well, I have no armor. Neither does Kelsar. I, I don't have armor as well. If the guards are there, we could just go back. If the guards are not, I, I wouldn't as well. But I'm just saying that if there's something else for us to do there, we could go back. I'm worried about the villagers. If we don't, we can just can go back to the oracles, right? I, th I think we should go back to the oracles, gear up, and then deal with whatever it is we're going to deal with. Let us hurry up, because, uh, I mean, I don't know what will happen in this next minute, so... Alright, yeah. So you guys uh, start rushing back to the oracles. You are running there, you managed to make some pretty good time actually, and now you're starting to get a little bit used to the city. It's still just your first day, so it's a little confusing. But you rush past a lot of these clerics who are starting, they're finishing their shifts, or maybe they have an evening sermon, that kind of stuff, and you make it up to the Oracle's headquarters. 
where the two Loomis are standing outside. Luminous, sorry. We have to let them know what's going on. Welcome back, travelers. So, yeah, we're sort of like in a hurry. <laughs> where's the equipment and where's our rooms? Your rooms are down the right hallway when you enter. Equipment has been requested for you. It should be here tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yes. Do you guys have anything that you guys could spare? Is something the matter? The, the cultists. There's cultists at the, at the vulgar unicorn. Fifteen of them. They look at each other, and one of them holds it a stone and talks into it. Fifteen cultists have been spotted at the Vulgar Unicorn. Have two teams investigate the area and aid the city guards. And then they put the stone away. Was there anything else? That, that puts me at ease now, a little bit. What's that? It's a communication stone. Oh. There's been some requested for each of you as well. They work within a one-mile radius. Huh. And what's the provider? <laughs> it's not MTS, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Ye old MTS. <laughs> MTS would give you uh, about a hundred meter radius. <laughs> if you want a couple more meters, then you're going to have to pay for it. Was there anything else you need? Maybe you should go inside and have something to eat. The cook is just finishing making the meals. And you see that the sun's already starting to dip down low in the sky. Maybe. Well, sure. I just hope every, the, the villagers are going to be okay. I mean, they send people to deal with it, right? So... We have trained operatives. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. You go on in, and it looks like the area used to be this massive library. A lot of the tables have been pushed together, and large spreads of food are placed out with a lot of different plates, almost like a buffet. A lot of people are going in, and they're grabbing dishes of foods and just eating and sitting down and talking amongst one another. Well, I'm grabbing a big old plate. Give me some mashed potatoes, some fried chicken. All right. Pile uh, pile it up with gravy. So you guys sit down and get a bite to eat? Yeah, sure. So you guys are munching away, and then the lady that you met earlier in the day, Noir, sits down. Her friend drags up a chair. It's a little larger. It seems like it can support her weight more. And Gaia sits down with her. So, heard you guys started shit already. Yeah, we were caught off guard. That was real fast. You guys are a super interesting group. Yeah, those cultists will do it to you. When I went out, I went out by myself just to check out a few things. And so I decided to stay the night at a place of pleasure. And wouldn't you know, the lady I was with, she gutted me like a fish. That was one life gone. I'm sorry. You gotta be careful. Yeah, pretty much you need to be careful. You guys seem like you can handle your own, though. Uh, I mean, uh, we got out of some very crazy situations so far, but most of them were just luck, right? So we should be careful uh, regardless. Well, let's give our blessings to Taimora, Lady Luck, and maybe she'll look after you guys just a little bit longer. So you guys go and, you know, you finished most of your food, and you're shown to where your sleeping quarters will be. And when you enter this area, it's through the right hallway that's connected to this main room. And it loops around and there's a couple doors where there's a couple other areas with a lot of different beds. And it looks kind of military. Like, you know how they have just a lot of different bunk beds set up? And then there's chests where they put their personal belongings in. But each of these bunk beds are 
decorated really strangely. Mm-hmm. They let them just do whatever they want to their own personal area. And there's two areas that are cleared out, like two sets of bunk beds that they give you. Well, uh, this is where you can store any stuff you need, anything like that. This is where you guys will be sleeping. So catch you on the flippity flip. Thanks. Thank you very much. And she walks off with her friend, and she's doing most of the talking whenever she seems to be talking with Gaia. Okay. So going into this room, you guys see a lot of the beds. They'll have maybe some like flowers that are draped around the bed poles or drawings and stuff like that. But you see that there's one bed in particular. And it doesn't have an upper bunk on it. It's just one bed. And it's in the very corner of the room. And all written around it, like carved into the walls, is I am Quintos. I am Quintos. And then you see in other areas, I am not Gary. I am not Gary. I am Quintos. And it's just carved all into this area. That's odd. Hmm. And this man brushes past you, and he seems a little irritable and something seems a little off to him he keeps talking to himself he's like i am quintos i am quintos and then another one comes in the room the same as him and they stop and they stare at each other he says i am quintos the other one says i will be quintos and he screams and runs at him and you see him jump onto this other version of himself and he just absorbs him he shakes his head i i i I am Kelsar. Ah, Kelsar. That is a good name. Keep your name. Don't let others assume it for you. I am Quintos. Are you sure you're not Gary? When you say that, he just stares at you with, like, if he had a fork in his hand, he probably would have stabbed you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) He's just looking. I'm not Gary. I, I, I am still Kelsar. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And he goes and walks off to his bed and he goes and lays down and you see him carve into the wall another time. I am Quintus. Uh, well, that was, um, that was different. Yeah. Intense. So, well, there, there's a lot of very different people here, right? So, first of all, I would like to stay on the lower uh, lower bed instead of like the upper bunker because you know dwarven legs and second maybe we should take turns you know at least on the first day just to watch over our stuff and literally have guard like guard ourselves what do you guys think might not be a bad idea okay yeah that sounds good to me and Roni? Yeah, okay. That's fine. So you guys get settled for the night and lay on down. Bordon climbs into the bottom bunk. Uh, how are the rest of you situated? Well, I mostly meditate, so I don't really use a bunk. Okay. You will need some sleep, though, because you're still a tiefling. I, I guess I could get a few winks. So you go top bunk or bottom bunk? Uh, top. Okay, so you hop on top of Bordon's. And then, how are you two? Ronnie, MZ, who's getting top, who's getting bottom? Uh, I'm forcing my way to that top bunk. <laughs> uh, pulling out that shitty acoustic guitar. He's, he's definitely not a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> he needs everyone to know he's there. Okay. Yeah, exactly. 
So the night passes, and you see a number of other people come in. They all have strange little characteristics, little things here and there. There's like a person who's wrapped head to toe in bandages. There's another person who looks very uh, fish-like, and they have gills on the side of their necks. And like all sorts of characters come in here to lay down in their beds, and they just nod to you as they all lay down. While you guys are catching some sleep, the first few shifts pass by fine. And Ronnie, you're on the top bunk, and you're just kind of chilling while it's your turn to watch. While you're watching, suddenly this light blue light takes over the whole area. Like everything's lit up and you look over and you see Kelsar's eyes are just spouting this light blue fire. It's just licking out and you hear him muttering something to himself. You, uh, you sleeping there, big boy? He doesn't seem to answer to you, but you can see now he's starting to sweat. Mm. Uh, this looks kind of weird. Um, there's like uh, a nurse around here or something. I'm gonna wake up Borodon. You know, see if he knows what this is. You go and you wake up Borodon, and you see that Borodon doesn't seem to be waking up very easily. Borodon, every time you seem to wake up, it's almost like you're getting dragged back into sleep. Like you, it's that moment of like pure exhaustion. You like try to open up your eyes and you just kind of fall back asleep again. Well, so do I have like two? I don't know, like. No, you just you can't seem to get it. You're aware that like someone's trying to wake you up, but then you get to get dragged back into your dream. All right, but what if I'm like holding his, I'm like closing his nose and then holding <laughs> his mouth shut? Then Bordon, you can make yourself a Constitution save. Okay. <laughs> just trying to suffocate. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to wake up. I'll probably just punch you anyway, but. Yeah, so I got 20. Okay, so you actually wake up, and like you, you couldn't wake up for All a time. Right. You were actually trying, but you kept getting dragged back. And then suddenly you can't breathe, and your body starts freaking out, and it just like snaps you out of it. And there's Ronnie like, trying to wake you up. <laughs> That's how I used to wake up my sister when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and you see now that this whole area is lit up with a light blue, and you can hear Kelsar muttering above you. You kill, what the? You kill your own leader. Uh, first of all, why are you doing this? Why, why were you like, you know, closing my nose and my mouth? Uh, I had to wake you up. I was yelling for you. I was hitting you. Uh, I wasn't working. So that's why I'm hurting all over. Okay, so what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Uh, the uh, yeah, over there. So I just see what Kelser. Yeah, there's a little ladder that you can climb up. Okay, so I just climb up and check. So what the hell is going on here? Yes. Ronnie, do you climb or do you take a look as well? I assume I'm tall enough to look up at him on a bunk. Yeah, you uh, you go and you're standing beside Borodon, and Borodon, you're looking down at Kalstar, and his eyes are lit up with this fire. And you put your hand near them, and there's no heat coming from this fire. You can you see he's sweating a lot, almost like he has a fever, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like you're not sure how he got this sick, and you go to put your hand on him. And then suddenly you hear this crackling noise and you look over and the air around Ronnie starts to get almost electrified and then everything goes blue. And you suddenly find yourselves, Ronnie and Borodon, you find yourself standing in this wooded area and you're looking over and you see a very young Kelsar. 
and he's sitting there, he's trying to string up this bow. And you see this woman is sitting with him, and it looks like it must be his mother, because she has the same color hair as he does. She has very similar tiefling horns to him, and she's showing him how to string up the bow. And she has more pelts and stuff on, stuff that you'd expect from somebody who's out in the wilds a lot, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of hunting. And she's looking down at Kelsar saying, No, no, Kelsar, you're not putting enough tension in the bow. Here, pull it like this. Oh. Okay, Mommy. Kelsar, if you're out in the wild, I need you to be able to hunt for yourself. You need to learn how to respect nature and how to properly kill a stag so you can feed yourself, hunt down rabbits, just in case. Because when you become an adventurer, we need you to be ready. I don't I don't want to hurt the stags, though, Mommy. I... We need to eat, Kelsar. And as sad as it is, we do eat other creatures, just as other creatures try to eat us. And suddenly, you guys see this world flash, and the forest is on fire. You see his mother standing there suddenly. She has these red eyes, and blood is coming out of her eyes. And she's looking down at Kalsar, saying, We will enslave you. We will kill you. You are an embarrassment to the family. No, no, please. And what do you two do while Kalsar is freaking out? So I'll just sorry, protect mommy. him from like this his devil mother. I'll just oh, be between him and his mother. It's okay, little one. It's okay. And no, Ronnie, no. what do you do? You know what I'm gonna do? Yeah, I'm going to. No. I'm just gonna monitor. Seriously, Ronnie? Seriously? Devil mom right here? You know? I'm ready myself. Throw on my armor. Yeah, you look around for your footlocker and. You don't see any stuff that should be here. You're in this forest, and there seems to be no connection to wherever it was you were. Mm. And Bordon, as you're standing in the way, you see she reaches her hand, and it passes right through you. And she's trying to grab on to Kelsey, saying, We will chain you. We will beat you, and you will learn how to be a tiefling. No! No, 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 please, no, no more chains. No, no more beatings. No, no. No, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Please, no, please, no. I don't want to. I don't want to be like this. Please, no. No. And Bordon, it doesn't seem like anything you're doing is working at the moment. Okay, so I'll cast protection from evil. I'll, I'll try to, to cast protection from uh, from evil on Kelsar. Roll me a caster gem. Yes, in this situation, because you're you're in a memory, essentially. So I got 21 in total. So you go and you cast this, and Kelsar, this is a nightmare. You've had this nightmare so many times, but something changes. When your mother is reaching for you, and she goes to grab onto you, as it always happens, and she drags you back to the village, and they shove you in that cage, and they just haul you up. Instead, this time, this glow goes around you and you feel safe when your mother goes to grab you and it her hand hits the shield suddenly this light blue fire just burns her away and standing there is your mother once more as you saw her originally she's going and she's picking the bow out of your hand and she's showing you how to string it and you see the burning forest this light blue fire goes over it and the burning forest goes away and as the fire burns everything else around it and when it goes near ronnie it seems to crackle like it meets resistance 
this area around Ronnie keeps flickering. One minute it's the burning forest, Mommy? one minute it's this peaceful, serene forest, and it just seems to not be quite working around Ronnie while he's standing there looking at you guys. Ronnie, are you okay? Uh, kind of confused. Okay, so... Uh, uh. And Kelsar, suddenly you can see in front of you while your mother is stringing this bow. It's faint, but you can kind of see a dwarf standing there. You've never seen a dwarf before. You've heard about them. And he has golden arms. And when you look behind you at who you can kind of hear what he's talking to, it sounds like a distant echo. But you see this man will flicker in, this half-elf, and then flicker out, and then flicker in. But unlike the dwarf, when he flickers in, he's very solidly there. And then he flickers out, and he's gone completely. Who, who are you? Can I hear him? Yeah. Oh, this is right. But can he hear me? You're not sure. Okay, so, Kelsar, can you hear me? Uh, I, very faintly, yes. Where's... Okay, Where am I? so I think you are in a dream. Can can you understand that? Can you wake up? Uh, where where? What is this place? I need you to wake up. I, this this isn't so scary anymore. Yes, because it's a dream. It's all in your head. Everything's gonna be fine. Your mother is not the devil that you think. She is. That's like in your nightmare. Everything's gonna be okay. No. Yes. And she goes and she hands you back the bow, Kelsar. But she doesn't seem to see what you see. I. I All right. I don't. Well, we have to hurry and get back to your father. He's gonna be a little upset if you miss sword practice. Hopefully, those paladins don't come by again. Every time they're here, they're always making a fuss. Okay, mommy. And then she looks and she takes Kalsar's hand and she starts leading him away. And she looks back at you, Borodon, and then she looks back at Ronnie. And then she keeps walking. And then suddenly you guys wake up. <sighs> Kalsar, you wake up as well. And it was the same feeling you had when you saw that vision of Chenille. Kalsar, just one quick question. Do you remember your mother? What the hell was that? I I just remember growing up. There was a lot of I remember being tortured a lot growing up. But this is by my family, by 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 everyone in my tribe. But this was different. This is something I never seen before. This this doesn't make any sense. Can you remember us in it? Vaguely. Just okay. yes, you two were in it. Um, yep. Um, you you protected me, Borodon. Thank 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 you, my friend. No problem. A cleric's got to do what a cleric's got to do. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 thank you as well. Ronnie did nothing. Ronnie. <laughs> that piece of shit. I got you oh. over there. What are you talking about? It was this just... You up. <laughs> I saw the issue, and I found someone who could help. Moral support. <laughs> it was there, right? <laughs> so it was like the sidekick, right? Like the... Yeah. 
Yeah. Most, yeah. <laughs> most importantly, thank you, Bruno. So while you guys are arguing and while you're you're talking amongst each other and you're you're having yourself a laugh and you manage to get yourselves back to sleep and get ready for the next day. Oh boy, when Kelsar has a bad dream, man, it just goes all out. But at least it's not like those fluffy kitty dreams and they went in there and it just would have went super weird like flying unicorns and stuff like that those never go well believe me i've tried i hope you enjoyed today's tale and hopefully ronnie remembers to bring his wallet next time if you wish to aid us it would be greatly appreciated if you could send a review our way it helps us spread the word and of our tale Send us a review on the Stitcher or iTunes, and join us in the Twitter sphere at Ballad7Dice. Until next time, traveler, I bid you adieu.